I did. Uh, now we're Hit the live. intro. Saludos and salutations, Broncos country, and welcome into an exciting episode of Broncos Talk. I'm your host, Adan Diaz, and joining me to my right, uh, left is at Richie Richie. Richie, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing good, thank you very much. We do apologize for the technical difficulties we had, uh, but we got it fixed, so we're here, we're live, and just want to thank you guys for tuning in, and as always, just want to remind you guys that we're a fan-led Broncos-based podcast, filling you in on all things NFL news, but more importantly, Broncos news. We go live every single Tuesday at 7654 on YouTube and Facebook. So guys, make sure you hit that thumbs up, subscribe, comment, share, because the more interaction we get in the, on the pods, the more eyes that they get you know, in front of other people. So I hope you guys like that intro, because the boss, Mondungus, and Johnny... Uh, have put a lot of work into making this season two just an epic epic season so there's a lot of exciting stuff coming uh i'm pretty pumped up for that uh richie well how do you feel oh that intro was excellent uh, it, you know all the all the credit in the world goes to uh both uh, johnny and uh the boss man there uh mundungus for all the work going into it uh you know even just as a as a broncos fan i'm sitting back watching the intro saying wow is that ever good <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, it's it's just amazing, guys. The yeah, energy, fantastic. watching the highlights, watching, you know, John Elway and uh, Terrell Davis. It just the old school is always a good pick me up for any Broncos fan. Okay. At, at least it is for me, you know, and of course, the new school is always exciting to watch. But it, it just if you don't appreciate it, then are you really a Broncos fan? 
Oh, I think you are. Because you can come in as a Broncos fan from any uh, any generation into any uh, any part of the team. And just on a side note, for all of you who are listening to the pod and not watching us uh, on YouTube or, or any of the other live stream options that we have for video, uh, we do heavily encourage you to come into our YouTube channel, give us a, a subscribe, and you can check out that new intro live and in person. And uh, give us your feedback in the comments of what you think. Of course. And guys, if you thought our intro was amazing, just wait until you guys see what MHRT has in store for you guys in terms of what season two has, as well as nothing rhymes with, because those shows are going to be just as great as this one is that we can guarantee you. So with that being said, guys, let's say hello to some of the people in the chat already. Of course, the boss Mundungus saying, hey, uh, EJ saying, uh, what's up, Broncos country? Uh uh, unfortunately, I can't highlight your comment. I do apologize. Uh, so, Rich, if you do, wouldn't mind. Uh, Who do you want to bring up? Uh, just go down the list. It's fine. Sure. <laughs> uh, we got uh, we got EJ here. Uh, it looks like we're, we're going through drink orders in the chat. Um, for those of you uh, who <laughs> are not right here with there. us live, uh, we got... Uh, Let's uh, kind of start a little further up. We got uh, some uh, White Russians, it looks like, uh, from uh, from Dave Glassman. Hey, Dave, mm-hmm. how you doing? Mm-hmm. And uh, I scroll down a little bit here. We got uh, the 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 ever Colorado Mile High Profit with a uh, a Beck Brew Lucky IPA. Uh, that is that is fantastic. I've uh, never heard of that. Why? Well, my understanding it's a uh, a colorado brew both of us not being from colorado <laughs> we may not have actually heard of it um <laughs> and uh um, we got uh mobad in the house thank you for joining us and mr hauser who is jealous of everybody drinking it seems um <laughs> thank you for joining us glad yeah uh, and of course yeah it's cherry coke with water so i watered it down so it's not liquor, but I'm such short notice. You, you can pretend, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but guys, let's kick off the show with talking about the probably the most shocking news hitting Broncos airwaves this morning, which was the trading of one Trinity Benson. Now, this probably was unexpected. I don't think anybody in Broncos country was expecting Trinity Benson. He had such a great preseason. I mean, you, I, 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 I was really shocked when I when I read those news. And you know, I, I can't remember what the, I think I think the Broncos got two picks for uh, next year. I think it was a fourth or somewhere between the, the lower rounds. Fifth and seventh. Thank you so much. Fifth and seventh. So, and I mean, on one hand, I'm kind of disappointed because. You know, I, I Trinity Benson was one of the guys that I was really expecting would, you know, be a really good player for this Broncos team. And on the other hand, he, well, when you think of the people that are in front of him, you know, Corlin Sutton, KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, it's like, ah, just great names that go with what is going to be a really good offense this season. So I, me personally, I wish Trinity Benson the best in his, tenure with Detroit but I think that this was this probably is not going to settle very good with a lot of Broncos fans out there that are big Trinity probably more bigger fans of Trinity Benson than than I am it does not settle sit well with me at all um <laughs> I, I I'm not gonna lie uh, I had a few choice words when I saw that come across the screen today when I was at work mm-hmm. um my my issue here 
is perhaps I'm failing to see the bigger plan, but we have Sutton and Patrick coming at the end of their contracts uh, this season. We had Trinity Benson, who was a homegrown talent, who we kind of developed through the practice squad, came in this year and showed that he put in legitimate effort and took a major leap forward. Mm -hmm. And we rewarded that with showing him the door to the Lions. Um, And and for me, unless that means that we're going to make best efforts to bring back, and we are going to bring back both Patrick and Sutton, um, I'm at a bit of a loss in terms of what route we're taking here. Because at the same time as we cut Benson, we also cut Seth Williams, who we picked up in what is the equivalent round pick thereabouts that we basically uh, traded for to get back with regards to to Trinity Benson. So, I mean, from my perspective, um, first off, we only have five wideouts on the roster right now on the Mm. final 53 as it stands today. So that was a bit of a head scratcher for me. And uh, trading Benson was, was another kind of just... It blew me it blew me away I, I was I, i'm still in a bit of state of shock just to be honest no i i totally agree with you and you know how coaches have black monday after the season's over this is kind of like up there with after the very last preseason game where you know we know the cuts are coming but we still even though we try to prepare ourselves for it it's like we're never ready for it and it's not just with denver i mean if you have been watching nfl news all day today you've seen that are cuts going all around the league from players like cam newton all the way to uh some of my uh, uh best friends were talking about the the bears earlier cutting some of their uh guys so it, it's not just denver going on but we got to keep this in mind guys and it's something that i've been saying since the beginning there's going to be a lot of stuff that george payton does that is not going to fall in line or that people are not going to like you know, and trading Trinity Benson could be, I guess you could put on that list because as you know, knock on wood, all our guys stay nice and healthy and they don't get hurt. But at the same time, Trinity Benson playing for Detroit, he could be looking at a number three, maybe a number two wide receiver spot, you know, playing for that type of offense. So it, it, it kind of, it's like, even though I'm going to miss him in Denver, I know that he's going to have, uh, hopefully, I, I, I should say he hopefully has a really good uh, career in Detroit. So, you know, and of course, Malhai Prophet saying we're so incredibly deep at wide receiver, which he's right. You know, somebody had to go. And if we're going to be in the market for a marquee quarterback in the future, we need draft capital. And of course, Malhai Prophet is right. And the Broncos do have a, bri- a pretty good amount of uh, gar- of uh, cap space, if I'm not mistaken, just under 30 million, I believe. So whether George Payne decides to use some of that during the first eight weeks in for, uh, in uh, you know acquiring free agents or trades or whatever, or he decides to roll that over into next season, it's you know it's anybody's guess right now. But you know we just have to be ready for it if it happens i guess i guess what my point here is um i don't first off i don't disagree with that at all um however unless we have absolute intentions of re-signing both sutton and patrick in the offseason which i actually think would be a bit of a mistake putting that much money into the wide receivers position uh just in my opinion um in the offseason 
um, then my question would then be, could we not have at least gotten a third or a fourth for Tim Patrick in a trade deal come the roster cut deadlines? Because from my, you know, from my eyes, he had you know substantive productivity last year and put up some really, really good tape. And that's probably what you're looking at likely getting for him in a comp pick was probably around a fourth once you factor in probably some of the other offseason moves that you'd end up having to make, as opposed to uh, trading Trinity Benson away, who's still kind of on that upward trajectory for our team and is not necessarily owed uh, that additional uh, contract at the end of this year. We, I believe we still have uh, another year on Trinity Benson perhaps to keep on our team, if, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm not mistaken. I, I might be wrong, but I, I think he still has another year. I think you're right. Uh, but, I mean, either way, guys, if I, I have a feeling that if the Broncos get deep in a certain position, just like we are in wide receiver, George Payton might be trying to do what John Gruden did when he came over to uh, uh, with the Raiders in terms of stacking, you know, draft picks. So even though those draft picks that we got for Benson, losing football games, I hope not. No, no. <laughs> well, trading players, you know, just like he oh, traded Khalil Mack sorry. for for uh, to Chicago for a couple of nice high round picks. So it could be something that George Payton has and he could put in his pocket. You know, maybe he could decide to to use them or trade or, or what i mean who really knows for george payne's first year as a gm there's a lot to be expected and then there's just about as much you can say that is going to be unexpected that is just going to leave us uh scratching our heads uh but to uh, go uh, to our first question which is from ej who asks us do you guys think jonathan cooper can be a rotational player at edge i like his game thank you sir uh you know what? Jonathan Cooper has been a really, really good player this preseason. So I honestly, and the Broncos just cut uh, that Tuska. So I don't know if they're, if they play the exact same position. I think they do. They do. Okay. Thank you. They so do. it could be a power move, you know, it could be Cooper taking that spot behind Vaughn and Bradley Chubb. And then it could be Cooper on one side and Malik Reed on the other. I actually think Cooper is going to be more than just a rotational guy for us. Uh, I mean, if there is a player who one could argue was not only just a standout, but also almost in some respects a surprise in the preseason, wow, was that ever Jonathan Cooper. I mean, <laughs> he, he just went under, If I believe I'm right in my count, he was slated for one heart surgery and when they brought him in they said he'd have to go back for a second to clean it up he finished both and then he ended up with a surprise third surgery that he had to go through in this off season and i mean three heart surgeries all before preseason preseason coming back healing and playing the way that he did is nothing shy of just remarkable so I actually think when, and the other thing to, to note when you saw uh, Jonathan Cooper's play, as opposed to say someone like Malik Reed, mm-hmm. A, Jonathan Cooper is a rookie, okay? We, we cannot discount that. And B, well, you saw a much faster kind of get off than someone like Malik Reed uh, when you compare Jonathan Cooper and Malik, in my opinion. So when you look at the way they played, I actually think Jonathan Cooper, when you start thinking of, wait, you're a rookie and you're already playing like that, I mean, he does he ever have a bright future in the NFL? And we have to give 
some some credit to uh, to our coaching staff and, and those in the draft room for drafting him because that was uh, in my, I mean that's got to be the steal of the draft. No, I, I totally agree with you. So Jonathan Cooper is definitely a diamond in the rough for Denver, and as the season progresses, you're going to see a lot, a lot of Jonathan Cooper, I would say. And I'm, I'm me for me, I'm excited. So uh, if you can pull up, what was that other question I saw from uh, Travis Tarbox? where he asked us, any thoughts on the Cam Newton release? Now, me personally, I, I kind of saw what they were talking about in terms of people or analysts thinking why Cam Newton was released. Uh, I think Shannon Sharp said it best that supposedly he heard from somebody that Bill Belichick wanted to start Tom Brady back in the early 2000s, but he couldn't pull the trigger. So supposedly this was Bill Belichick's way of kind of saying, you know what? I didn't do it then and I'm and I, I'm but doing I'm not it gonna, now. Yeah, I'm not yeah. doing it now. So uh, there's also another thing saying that supposedly because Cam Newton doesn't want to get vaccinated, that's also uh, one of the reasons why he got cut. I mean, to be honest with you, nobody at this point really knows Travis. But one thing I could tell you is we don't need a Cam Newton in Denver. So as soon as that that went down, I automatically went on social media because I was like, please, please don't have people going down there saying, you know, Cam to Denver, put him behind Teddy Bridgewater, we'll be unstoppable, all this mess. So I, I'm really glad that didn't happen because I I would have I would have probably lost my marbles if there was even a report saying, oh, you know, George Payton is talking to Cam Newton to see because it's like you we don't need him in Denver, you know, behind Teddy Bridgewater is still Drew Locke. And, you know, as long as he's still there. Now, if Julak gets traded in the morning, then <laughs> that's, oh, Jesus Christ. I, I can't believe I even said that. But even in a hypothetical world, if that happened, then we should probably start the Cam Newton, uh, you know, hype train. But as of right now, he is predicted to go to the Cowboys. So, you know, wherever Cam Newton lands, best of luck to him. So that's a Jerry Jones effort to sell jerseys. Um, <laughs> so we'll, just, we'll call it what it is. Um, my understanding is Cam Newton did something, uh, and I can't remember what it was, uh, but it, it landed him in uh, what is effectively the, uh, a COVID protocol. And I don't believe it's because he didn't get vaccinated. I believe it's because I think he did something. I think he went to like a club or did something. It did something where he was potentially exposed. And... Wow. And I, I, that's my understanding because he was actually on, the, on a COVID list. Again, I'm, I'm simply trying to remember what I was reading. I haven't looked it up or anything here. But at the end of the day, he was not allowed near the facilities for, for a period of time there. And that's just not a good look. Uh, frankly, it, it's one thing if you're not wanting to get vaccinated as a personal choice. It's another thing if you then aren't uh, taking the appropriate precautions to protect yourself and the team. And I have a funny feeling that Bill Belichick being a huge proponent of personal responsibility and team first, which has been his mantra pretty much from, from the get-go there in uh, New England, that something like that just simply won't go over well. And as a result, uh, Kim Newton was let go because he has highlighted uh, uh, it's all about me. And uh, Belichick basically responded back today with the cut saying, no, it's all about we. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so I guess this is the beginning of the Mac Jones era in New England. So uh, good luck to them on that. Uh, but anyways, uh, Mark Langley, who has shown up and blessed us here in the chat. Mark, 
it's very good to see you, my friend. I feel like it's been forever. I hope everything's been good with you, man. Uh, you know, of course, <laughs> Mark being so excited to see Glenn Hauser. Uh, I feel the same way every time I see him. So, uh, you know, hope you can uh, are able to stay and watch the whole show. If not, thank you so much for stopping by and saying hello, my friend. Uh, but anyways, guys, going back to uh, roster cuts, it's probably one of the hardest things for a head coach to do is after the preseason, it's like, who do we keep? Who do we need? How many of what do we need? Do we need more wide receivers? Do we need more cornerbacks? And aside from that, Rich, it's kind of like just hoping that whoever you do cut, that they can clear waivers and you can put them on the practice squad. But even putting a player on a practice squad, Rich, does not really solve your problem because they can still get plucked by another team, you know, just as easily as the Broncos can get another player from another team's uh, practice squad. So it's it's all pretty much like it's, it's a game when you really think about it. But, uh, you know, uh, the Broncos went 3-0 and in this preseason, uh, Rich. They won their game last week against uh, – or last week, a couple days ago against the Rams – and uh yeah Kenneth for the days yeah that's that's another one so uh i just want to say that the broncos did a really good job during this preseason and it hopefully whoever made it to the team is really grateful that they got a spot and i'm not just talking about our, our regular starters you know i'm talking about people who were on the bubble that actually made it through and, you know, guys like Tyree Cleveland, who didn't make it, who are the Broncos hope, you know, makes it through waivers and can land on the practice squad, as, as well as other uh, players that I can't remember the, the name of their their names at the moment. But just, you know, hang tough, guys. I'm pretty sure you guys will find a job, even if it's not with Denver. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe we should start just at the uh, the, the big the big position, uh, the big one, if you will, uh, at quarterback. Um, the Broncos made uh, an interesting move, uh, which I'm actually very curious about. I, I, I don't know what the, everyone else is uh, is thinking there, but uh, maybe you can let us know in the chat. Uh, we, we, we cut Rip, uh, Rippin, um, mm-hmm. which was a bit of a surprise to me. I I thought uh, that with um, kind of both Drew and Teddy uh, having off and on injuries that uh, we may keep Brett. And also given the fact that we had a quarterback competition uh, and I thought that as a team, we may have learned from the other previous years with the quarterback competition that uh, we may need to cycle through more than two uh, to, to, to start winning some games. So um, we ended up only keeping two, uh, Teddy Bridge, Bridgewater as our QB1 and uh, Drew Locke as uh, QB2. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe we can start there in terms of uh, where you're at in terms of uh you know, the surprise or maybe not surprise of, of cutting Brett and uh, what you think we might do uh, in terms of uh, bringing in uh, maybe a third uh, option there, maybe. Well, you know what? Brett Rippon, I'm really glad that he was able to last as long as he did with us last season. I mean, you know, he did have that pretty cool, I guess you could say cool, or maybe not even good, but cool game against the Jets last season. And, uh, and I was going to say the Steelers, but that wasn't that wasn't him. But if Rippin clears waivers, he could land up back on the practice squad. So this could be Denver's way of kind of just 
you know, making taking what they should have what they could have done with having three quarterbacks on the roster like last year, where it was, you know, Drew Locke and uh was it who else was it? Um can't think of his name. Uh but they, they had three quarterbacks. Driscoll. They had Driscoll. Driscoll. They you. had uh, Drew Lock, Driscoll, and Rippin. And Rippin, yeah. And then they well, went and then they had Bortles. The, and then they had Bortles. Bortles That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And Bortles was kind of like the COVID quarterback or whatever. Yeah, except they all ended up in protocol and we ended up having Hinton play. But anyways. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, there's going to be a quarterback, Rich. Make no mistake about it. At least a third one. So it could be. You know, the Broncos may be fishing a quarterback from now with all these roster cuts. Because I, I still don't think all the roster cuts are, are done. We could be seeing more along. Sorry, just uh, real quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, we kept um, Andre Mintz, who was an undrafted player, just, mm-hmm. uh, as an answer to this. Uh, I have to go back through the other 53, but uh, Andre Mintz was an undrafted uh, that we had brought in. So we have kind of uh, maintained the Denver Broncos' uh, longstanding history of keeping undrafted players on our roster and to be quite honest quite a number of them have turned into some real studs in this league uh, sorry go, go on about the quarterbacks there sorry yeah and you know now that we know that teddy Bridger, that Bridger, teddy bridgewater is the guy i think that it's safe to assume that drew Locke's job is pretty much as a backup in terms of you know him being traded now if the broncos go out and get a one of those, maybe not Cam Newton-ish, but, you know, a, a, a decent third-string quarterback, which I don't think so, but they could. Uh, Rippin could clear waiver wires, and he'll end up on the practice squad. I mean, it's anybody's guess right now, but Denver could be just rolling in with just two quarterbacks, Rich, with Bridgewater and Drew Locke, and, you know, who knows? Uh, they could pick up another one along the way, and like I keep saying, you could end up on the practice squad, but I don't think that the Broncos are going to roll with three quarterbacks uh this year because unlike last year when you know the uh the whole thing with the pandemic and nobody there was no vaccines or nothing and you know it was it was was pretty crazy time so but this time around i think everything is going to be a little bit more controlled in terms of you know what the broncos know exactly what they're doing and it's basically just giving another person uh, a spot on the roster instead of giving it to a quarter, a third string quarterback who probably may not even see the field. Yeah, I, I think that's where we may try to leverage the practice squad position to bring in a quarterback there. So I, I do somewhat agree with you there. It's just my concern is um, a I actually liked Rippin. I thought he actually had pretty good command of the offense. You saw him making line adjustments even in the Seahawks game. You, you saw Drew and even Teddy, to some extent, struggle with line adjustments in that Seahawks game. But mm-hmm. yet, I mean, even the announcers made a comment to say the coaches basically send Brett out there and say, call your place. Thanks. Let us know when you're done. So, I mean, <laughs> that, 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 that is something to be said for a player on the field, uh, especially a guy who's, who's, who just got cut, which is kind of bizarre, right? When you have someone who's known for that kind of uh, mental capacity on the football field, because that's rare. Um, now, he obviously had some other challenges. Otherwise, we would have kept him. But uh, I, I really do hope we bring him back because I, I really did like – I actually like Brett. I think he's a, he's a great option for us, and I'd love to have him stick around in Denver. Mm. Um, we have a, a lot to cover today, so, so I do want to start going through some of these other uh, roster positions. Um, 
a heated topic amongst our friends, even within the Mile High Roundtable Network. Uh, I'm going to bring up, uh, you know, almost he who should not be mentioned, and that is Deontay Spencer, who who made the roster. Uh, I, I would like to kind of bring up with the larger group and, and get your take on it there, uh, six foot ten. Um, we kept five receivers, which I think surprised, I think, everybody, because I even had six in my mock 53 mm-hmm. um, that I had. Um, I was shocked to see Deontay Spencer on that list. Obviously, uh, Trinity Benson likely would have been the sixth in that wide receiver room, but then we traded him. So I'm curious as to your thoughts of bringing Deontay Spencer and keeping him on our roster uh, as opposed to uh, looking at someone who is perhaps more versatile, like a Trinity Benson, keeping him on the team, who is both a offensive weapon for us and can be leveraged more on the offense uh, as well as a returner. You know what? I've been thinking about this question all damn day, to be honest with you. And <laughs> the only, the only thing only thing I can think of that saved that man's job was probably that Carolina game. If Deontay Spencer does not get that return touchdown, he wouldn't have a leg to stand on in terms, maybe with Tom McMahon, maybe with Vic Fangio or anybody in the coaching staff. It almost feels like he had to bribe somebody to say, hey, look, give you a hundred bucks if you keep me on the tee. You know, <laughs> something crazy like that. So, uh, I, I, I honestly don't know. Like, Deontay Spencer has been getting a lot of heat from Broncos country because it's like we gave up Benson or traded him just to keep Deontay Spencer. And if Deontay Spencer was like any one of our other really good punt returners that we had in the past, like, I'd be like, okay, well, you know, he had three, four, between four to ten return touchdowns or kickoff touchdowns or whatever. But he only had one. And right now, the Broncos' Achilles heel is obviously special teams, you know? So I guess Tom McMahon really, really must like Deontay Spencer, kind of like the Broncos really, really liked Isaiah McKenzie, even though he wasn't a really good football player in Denver. But then he goes to Buffalo, and, you know, he's one of the best wide receivers in that division made to look like anyway so i i honestly don't know why but if i had to guess it's probably because he's one of tom mcmahon's favorites and as long as tom mcmahon is special teams coordinator of the broncos you can probably expect deontay spencer to have a, a starting role job in special teams in denver as well right you can also expect a, uh with tom mcmahon as our special teams coordinator a leaky and poor special teams showing uh in addition uh, to that but um, the other thing, uh, just uh, pulling up uh, Glenn Hauser's comment here. Uh, Glenn, I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you. Um, with regards to Spencer, uh, Glenn, if I, Glenn and I have literally been uh, in lockstep the entire time uh, with regards to Deontay Spencer. Um, it makes no sense to me either. Uh, I actually think that Spencer's uh, saving grace, if you will, was um, Levante Bellamy getting hurt. Um, in my opinion, I think Bellamy was the one guy who the Broncos saw as being a bit more of a bulldozer on special teams with some speed. Mm-hmm. And I have always been a huge proponent. I mean, dating back before I even kind of 
came into the Mile High uh, Network here, uh, the, the Roundtable Network here, I've always wanted a running back as a special reti- uh, as a returner guy, a returner, because I believe it offer it offers that dual threat. So you can have a guy that can participate in the offensive side from time to time. And then you have another, and you have the same guy that can then participate on the special team side of the ball and uh, and perform the return duties as needed. To, to me, having a fifth guy who's literally taking up a spot as a specialty player who is maybe slightly above average, and that's about it, makes zero sense to me whatsoever. When we had Trinity Benson as an example, who was just as fast and was a far superior offensive weapon for our team. Yeah, but I mean, look, I get it. I, every coach has their favorite player, you know. John Elway, when he was our GM, was obviously Drew Locke. Vic Fangio, you can say either Kyle Fuller or, or Bryce Callahan because they came with him from Chicago. So, Tom McMahon, obviously Deontay Spencer. Now, I just don't really – I would have been better if, if the Broncos traded Deontay Spencer to Detroit for, for a seventh-round pick or something and kept Benson, you know. I can see them cutting uh, Cleveland because Cleveland's preseason wasn't that good. So, you know, he was already on the bubble with a lot of Broncos country fans. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, I, I, I mean, oh, I guess hilarious. you're right, Dave. I guess you're right. It's kind of like if you guys play Madden and you try to trade anybody underneath like a 69 or lower, it's like you just get the red. So that's kind of like where I, I, I see... Deontay Spencer and don't get me wrong I'm really grateful for his one touchdown uh return in Carolina but there's just so much work that needs to be done and Tom McMahon showing favoritism to one guy who just put one touchdown all of last season it's like you can almost make that argument with if you put KJ Hamler back there so I I just don't see it warrant that valuable roster spot, Rich. I yeah, honestly, they're, they're far too worried about uh, KJ's Hamler string. So the, the, the problem yeah. is, is that they they, they can't risk that uh, as an injury. They want him to maintain that that quick twitch and, and speed. But um, I mean, I, I think we we all pretty much it seems universally or relatively universally agree um, that you know the Spencer uh, move and Trinity trade as a corresponding kind of counter, if you will, uh, was a bit of a head scratcher. Uh, so that is, it's actually, it's quite interesting to see that the vast majority of us are actually in agreement. I actually was wondering if there might be any, uh, that, uh, might disagree <laughs> with us there. Um, cause I, I'm, I'm always, I always love having a counter opinion, uh, a countervailing opinion uh, to my own to kind of hear kind of the other side of things. Um, mm-hmm. but it's, it's nice to know at the same time that, you know, when you make a comment like that, that you have a, a large swath of people that say, I agree. Um, moving on to the tight end position, um, we ended up keeping four. I, I don't think that was a surprise to, to anyone. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a bit of a disappointment to me um, because I would have liked to seen some, some other uh, moves uh, take place. Uh, however, um, we ended up keeping uh, you know those that you would expect. So we kept No Fan, Albert O, and Eric. Uh, Salbert, who, uh, I mean, if we want to talk about a guy that kind of blew our socks off in the uh, preseason, Eric Salbert's got to be that tight end. Yeah. Um, and then we uh, we kept uh, Andrew Beck as the uh, tight end fullback. Oh, the hybrid. He has a hybrid role. Now, um, for me, I've, I've, I've not held back. Uh, I actually preferred uh, Prentice. 
um, as the fullback. Uh, he, he was listed on a roster as a fullback, uh, but if you actually looked at uh, some of his film and kind of what he was slated at, as uh, he was actually listed technically actually as a uh, tight end fullback hybrid as well, like Andrew Beck. I thought uh, Prentice was a lot closer to what we've seen from guys like Janovich, for example, um, who was a much more aggressive blocker. Uh, he was angry when he blocked, which is, I'm not gonna lie, just my style. I, I like that guy. I like that type of player. Um, and uh, Andrew Beck, when I was watching him in preseason, uh, whiffed on a number of tackles and missed uh, a fair number of plays that I felt that someone with his level of experience should have made in the blocking game. Um, and he did okay when he was thrown to, not spectacular. So if you're going to be used primarily as a fullback and a little less as a tight end, I would much rather and much prefer an angry, aggressive blocker than someone who is uh, mediocre at blocking and okay at the tight end position because I think Salbert can actually be used more on that blocking tight end role and wow, did he ever do a good job. <laughs> well, I, I mean, that's a conversation that you could probably have over a whole case of beer. And the more you drink, you'd figure that beer would help you kind of ease into, you know, make you understand it. But even getting drunk probably wouldn't help you. That's how just head scratching this decision is from, uh, I would imagine Vic Fangio was the one that made this choice, but uh, you know what? The tight ends were never an issue. You know, we, in, in fan, we trust, of course, Alberto is coming back from that injury. He's going to be uh, a really good player. And Schubert, Schubert got, got, let me just say this. And, I, and I'm sorry I keep bringing Madden 22 up, but Schubert got disrespected by the Madden rating team players or whatever. Because you see what he did in the preseason really good and then you see what he was given in madden and it's like <laughs> it, it, it's not fair so shame on you madden people for uh just not seeing what we saw in in sober so hopefully he, pre he proves you guys wrong though with these you know really cool uh slip screens and everything that uh, our offensive coordinator has in store <laughs> for you guys uh, but uh What's what's our next uh, next category, Rich? You're you're muted. We're down to the offensive line. So mm -hmm. we had uh, Garrett Bowles, Dalton Reisner, Lloyd Cushenberry, uh, Graham Glasgow, Bobby Massey, Calvin Anderson, Quinn Miners, and Natane Moody. I don't think there was really any major surprises there. Uh, mm -hmm. I I actually was pleasantly surprised they 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 made the right call and cut Cam Fleming. I expected a lot more out of Cam Fleming, and I was very—I I was, I was disappointed. Is actually being nice and kind. Um, so I, I was super, super disappointed with how he played. Um, the, the one person that I was surprised that we cut, and I thought that we would potentially keep, was uh, Drew Hilmerman. Oh yeah, I, I actually really like his size. I like his length. And when you saw him come in with the third string offensive line, he was a guy that kind of stood out to me when I saw him there on the right side. He made a lot of really good blocks. He kind of pushed a lot of guys around. And I I really did think that we might end up kind of keeping him uh, just because the right tackle position 
is still a bit of a question mark for us because Calvin Anderson continued to not particularly play well there at the right ha- right tackle spot. And um, who's the other guy? And and frankly, uh, Bobby Massey, when you saw him play, to me, he was underwhelming as well. So that was a concern of mine. I really hope Drew uh, Hilmerman uh, clears uh, wires. And I would really, really like to see him stay on this team because I think he has... Uh, I, I think he has some options. I think he can really be that, not even, but, maybe not that guy, but he can at least be a, a solid option for us. Well, you know what? But can you really blame Cal, uh, Calvin Anderson, though, Rich? I mean, asking somebody to play the opposite side of their specialty, it's a really hard ask. It's not as easy as maybe he thought it was. It's kind of like I'm right handed. So if I had to sign my name with my left hand, which I'm not used to, I probably you probably see my signature as if it was being imitated by like a third grader or copied by like a third grader because it's just it's crooked. I mean, it's ugly already as it is with my right hand, but with my left, it's like it, it's 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 not legible. Let's just say. So no, I actually agree with that, and this is this is a great take um, because I agree, and I think a lot of other people will agree. And frankly, um, you you heard uh, there's there's a, a few lines out there, including. Um, you know, switching tackle positions uh, is like trying to wipe with your other hand. Is, is, the, quote that, is, is the quote that came out from uh, from someone? I actually can't remember who, but it, uh, it's it's hilarious, and I'm, I intend to use it forever. But um, <laughs> but, but hear me out though, Rich. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I commend Calvin Anderson for trying to be a swing tackle, which right. is a very rare thing in this league for for uh, somebody in the offensive line to be. But with that being said. You know, Teddy Bridgewater is now our guy, and I just wouldn't feel safe knowing that Calvin Anderson is not at 100%, you know, (laughs) is not at 100% sure that he can, uh, being in that right tackle where he would be more 100% natural in the left tackle, you know what I'm saying? So hopefully Cam Fleming does come back and maybe a practice squad type of role. I mean, it could happen uh, because I thought he... He might not be like starter quality per se, but I think he would make a really good, you know, at least in the backup type of position. So, uh, you know, oh, who who knows? I would I would much rather after seeing after seeing Fleming play and Hillerman play, there was almost no drop off between the two. So, given that fact, from what I saw at least on film, I would much rather keep a young guy who is an undrafted rookie and a Hillerman than to bring back Fleming, who has had years in the league and not shown that progression that he needs to. So, I mean, just my opinion for what it's worth is I would absolutely much rather us keep Hilmerman, maybe grow him and have him sit with uh, Munchak and and have him kind of develop there as a, at that right tackle position. Hopefully he's a quick learner because uh, his size, I mean, the guy is a monster. I, I don't think if, I don't know if you saw his height and weight, I think he's something along the lines of like six seven or six eight or something to that effect. Yeah, and my rich. And so I mean, you need you need that size at that position to get the length of arms. Yeah, but you know, if it's one thing we learned from Garrett Bowles is that you need time to perfect your craft or to get damn near close to it because we all wanted Garrett Bowles out before the start of last season before he got I a did big it. deal. So. Ali and I and I keep saying it to this day, Ali Crow on that because I was on the get Garrett Bowles out of Denver train just like a lot of other people were. But when I'm wrong, 
I'm wrong and I admit it. So Cam Fleming could be one of those guys that obviously he's not the best, you know, coming into a new team and a new system or whatever, trying to deal with trying to fit in with how the rest of the offensive line works. It could take time. But, you know, that's a gamble in itself. Is it worth investing the amount of time in Cam Fleming and hoping it pans out? Or is it just like, hey, we tried, but it didn't work. And, you know, now our quarterback is injured or our running game is suffering because the offensive line can't open any holes. At this point, we won't know because he's not on the team anymore. But, right, you know, anything could happen going forward. Sure. And then the other guy that I, I think might be um, worth mentioning is um, is Bailey. Bailey, Bailey uh, I think Bailey. Quinn, 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 Quinn Bailey. Bailey. Yeah, Quinn Bailey. Quinn Bailey. I think it's yeah. Quinn Bailey. Yeah. Um, he also had some some pretty good snaps there. Um, and and I, again, maybe someone that we might kind of pull back on our, or hopefully, might be someone that we pull back in our practice squad. Um, I don't know if you saw on the um, the Gordon run, but if I'm not mistaken, I believe he was in that right tackle when that happened, mm-hmm. and uh, he was the guy that kind of sealed that run block uh, for Gordon. Uh, number 75 if everyone's if anyone's going back and re-watching the game um he actually had a, a few good plays he had a few you know little moments <laughs> but, uh, uh, and by and large he had some pretty good plays there in the game and and that's really what you want to see from any younger player like a Quinn Bailey or a Drew Hilmerman or someone else like that is even a, a Natane Muti he had a, a few plays in the previous game that we played uh our preseason game two where Moody actually got stood up a few times and end up giving up some uh, some plays that are is very uncharacteristic of a Natane Moody. And if you watched him in the Seattle game when uh, Moody came in, he really had that bounce back game that as fans, you want to see from someone like a Natane Moody as a year two player with our team. Uh, I, I, for one, would actually love to even see him start. Uh, I think he's that good. But... Mm-hmm. I, he needs that time. He needs those starting reps, and he needs to start going against the first team of other teams to show just how good he is. And hopefully we might see some of that this season, even in a rotational role. But I think that uh, at some point we're going to see him in more often than not. And, I mean, there's not very many offensive linemen that can block 300-pound men with one arm. I wholeheartedly agree. And, I, <laughs> and again... Madden did not do Natane Moody justice, so I am pissed off about that. <laughs> so um, I think a, a few people that, that might have some some things to say on uh, moving on to the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and sorry, we can just kind of quickly uh, go over the, um, the the running backs. I don't think there's any real surprises there. Uh, Melvin Gordon, running back one. Javante Williams, running back two. Mike Boone, uh, running back three. And Royce Freeman made the team. Um, I, I think likely because uh, George Payton and uh, I think Fangio have both come out in separate statements saying that Mike Boone will uh, likely be placed on IR, uh, short-term mm-hmm. IR with designation to return. Uh, I believe tomorrow is the date for that to happen. And um, just jumping ahead a little bit further into the defense, um, comments have also come out from both of those uh, same uh, people on our team. Uh, Peyton and uh, Fangio, where uh, Michael Ojemudi, I believe, is also uh, headed in that, in that direction as well. Yeah, I mean, the defense in terms of cor- cornerbacks is what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Well, so- th- those are running backs, right? So 
uh, Boone got hurt early, and there was actually a lot of oh, buzz. Oh, okay. Of, I heard yeah, you say yeah, Ojemudia, so I thought yeah. we were shifting. No, no, I, I just said that there's there's the two guys that we knew were hurt, and and the, the, the first of them was uh, Mike Boone. The second one, Michael Ojemudia. Yeah. Uh, both of those players have come out. Uh, sorry, both of those players were mentioned today uh, by folks in Dub Valley and George Payton. I believe Fangio came out uh, separately and said the same thing that um, both of those players are likely slated for the short-term IR with the designation to return. That will free up an additional two roster spots. So we can basically, we should be mentally mentally preparing ourselves uh, for two people likely to be brought back in. It'll be interesting to see who they are. You know what? Then with that being said, guys, I think we should probably be really, really grateful, excuse me, that there were no serious injuries at all this whole preseason. I mean, obviously what happens with Mike Boone going down was was sad but thankfully it wasn't something where he tore something and he was out for the season so thankfully everybody had a really good preseason no serious injuries there were a couple of hiccups and but nothing that's going to keep anybody out from week one uh, when the Broncos go up against the Giants and you know I just hope that somebody needs to go and wrap Von Miller in some bubble wrap and don't unwrap them until they get to the Meadowlands because <laughs> I'm literally praying every single day when I wake up like please protect Von Miller please <laughs> tell him to stay with the chickens and you know don't don't let him do anything don't let him practice don't don't just don't do anything Von just stay cool and we'll see you in, at the Meadowlands keep, keep stretching <laughs> Um, is, is my message to Vaughn and, and, and we're good um, but moving on to the defensive line uh, just to kind of re-rattling uh, those that end up making the roster uh, Jason good to see you thanks for uh, thanks for joining us and uh, also in the house we have the whiz kid um, so we ended up having the defensive line uh, the initial 53 man roster of uh, Shelby Harris Mike Purcell Draymond Jones McTelvin Aguim Deshaun Williams, and Jonathan Harris. Now, uh, just from my perspective, I actually expected um, Spencer uh, to make uh, the uh, the 53. Uh, I was a little bit surprised not to see him there. Um, he ended up getting cut. Um, that was really my only uh, surprise. I actually thought he played well enough to make the 53. I was kind of surprised to see Harris making it there. Uh, not Shelby Harris, the other Harris, Jonathan Harris, making it. Uh, your thoughts and others. I thought the defensive line was pretty much set. I don't really... Like, there were no cuts that were made from there that kind of surprised me. The Jonathan Harris... Try, I'm trying to think of his, his uh, preseason tape. I mean, it wasn't terrible. But, you know, then again, Vic Fangio might see something in him that we haven't seen in... You know, in practice reps or maybe depth. Uh, but I, I just think I think the defensive line will be fine. Uh, you know, Mike Purcell's coming back. Shelby Harris is slated to have a really big year. Uh, Bradley Chubb, knock on wood, hopefully close to 100%. And, you know, Von Miller, I don't care if that man is 31, 32 years old or whatever. That man still has some gas in the tank. And he's got a lot to prove this season you know, getting to the quarterback and, you know, doing what he has to, what is being asked of him. Now him dropping back in coverage. That's one thing about Von Miller that, uh, uh, you know, obviously everybody remembers when he picked off Rob Gronkowski in the, that Super Bowl run that year, which was probably the highlight of his career, but, you know, pulling him out to run zone defense plays, uh, Ronald, how you doing? 
uh, has always kind of been like iffy for me because that's not really a Von Miller type of thing to do. You know, as great as Von Miller is, even he has his own weaknesses. So hopefully, Vic, Vic, so hopefully Vic Fangio kind of sticks to his strengths. And, you know, if he has to bring him out to catch a breather, that's perfectly fine because I, I, he's in good hands with Jonathan Cooper and Malik Reed in the wings. Right. I, I, I want to try and quickly just make one uh, kind of quick kind of uh, comment. And then I'd like to move on to the inside linebackers. And uh, guys, we really appreciate your feedback. So please uh, keep with those questions and comments. Um, so uh, the one thing for me that I do want to say with regards to the Seattle game that I think concerning might be the appropriate word is we, I did not see a ton of interior defensive line pressure that did concern me considering that we had a number of our starters there and we were going against their uh, number twos. I would have liked to see a little bit more uh, aggression in the center and middle of our field of the field there. That was a bit of a concern. I'm hoping that was just our defensive line coaches and defense uh, simply uh, continuing to play kind of the standoff basic coverages and, and whatnot. So I'm going to reserve uh, full critique until we end up going into uh, week one against the uh, Giants. Um, however, that is a concern. Uh, I, I, we need we need more of that interior defensive line pressure. Um, quickly wanting to touch base on the inside linebackers, uh, a position uh, that... Uh, I am a huge fan of everyone thinks it's devalued and I think it is probably one of the more critical positions on the field. So we'll just say that uh, I'm kind of uh, traveling the path less traveled, um, which is uh, we ended up with five on our roster, which I think uh, is a bit surprising uh, to a few because I believe uh, many expected four at the most. Uh, However, uh, some of our questions here, including um, Jason O'Neill, uh, brought up the addition there at the inside linebacker position mm-hmm. uh, via trade today by the Denver Broncos. Yep. So the five that made our roster are Josie Jewell, Alexander Johnson, Justin Stranad, Baron Browning, and Jonas Griffith. Jonas Griffith is the aforementioned late addition via trade from the San Francisco 49ers that ended up making our team at the inside linebacker position. Uh, your thoughts and others' questions. Uh, you know what? I honestly didn't. I saw the headline, but I don't have any. I didn't see any tape about Jonas Griffin. I don't know if he has any tape from his time with the 49ers, but I think this could be a really good pickup. I mean, he's coming from a defensive minded team in the Niners. You know, even though Robert Salah isn't there anymore, he was there last year and he built a really good defense especially yeah. when he had to use the exact same uh, sorry the exact same tools that Vic Fangio had to use because the Niners and the Broncos last year I mean they were both there were so many band-aids on us we looked like a mummy <laughs> from uh, by the end of the season so this could be another one of those diamond in the roughs it could be you know who knows if you if you know who Griffith is and you're excited for him then that probably means you've seen tape on him which is great I I'm going to try to find some after this podcast uh, but I, I I would imagine that trading for him, there's got to be something that Vic Fangio likes or maybe Ed Donatel or somebody on the coaching staff. That, no, know, that was of- McMahon, I think, who was a big uh, proponent for him. Oh, McMahon. He was, um, okay. He's a standout special teams player who uh, primarily showed out in the San Francisco uh, preseason on special teams and, and made some, some good plays. 
Um, came out and showed to be a sure tackle, a tackler on special teams as well. Um, so he, he's going to be probably one of those guys that's making the team and is on our roster to uh, attempt to help fill and, and stuff some of those uh, lanes and gaps. Now, the funny thing here is my, my comments and, and my stance on special teams with regards to some of these players is I actually think we have reasonable depth on this team, which is typically the issue with a special teams play. If you end up with a really bad special teams play, it typically means that you have poor depth on your team and guys that aren't uh, disciplined, uh, don't stay in their lanes, et cetera, et cetera. I actually don't believe the Broncos are in that category. I just think our special teams coach is garbage. Um, I, I just think he's very good. And the reason why I say that is uh, we have continued to draft depth uh, on our team. Uh, I haven't got that far down the list. Uh, we have more safeties on our team this year than we have in the past. Uh, we have more cornerbacks on our team than we typically have uh, or you know, thereabouts uh, about average. And we have more inside linebackers now than we have had in the past, which means that you have more defensive players and more of them will be playing on special teams. Mm-hmm. Yet, when you saw our special teams play in Seattle uh, against a team who was typically seen as a you know pretty you know pretty high level contender within the NFL, um, our special teams look worse than it ever has in all the other preseason games. So, as a Broncos fan, that cannot fill you with confidence because we were going against guys that are now cut today and we still didn't look very good so um that to me is coaching not necessarily player personnel Uh, i typically would say it is player personnel if it was only maybe a one-year wonder sort of thing at which point it might be a player issue however we've seen this for multiple years from tom mcmahon at this point here i have to put it i have to put it on coaching and until the coaching get changes out where we have better discipline on special teams i don't see us getting that much better or better at all well, now that you mentioned that, I, I'm trying to collect my thoughts as you were talking, Rich, and it could be Denver Broncos country could finally get their wish in the firing of Tom McMahon. If this man was brought in to fix special teams, that means that somebody has to have had turned the heat on underneath Tom McMahon's chair, whether it's Vic Fangio, but I want to say it's George Payton because George Payton is nothing like John Elway. You usually have to do something really bad or dumb for John Elway to kind of pull you into his office and say, hey, you need to fix it or you're out. George Payton doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's going to take any guff from anybody. And he's not going to stand for any type of low tier play. Now, obviously, the special teams play from the last three games was a big concern. And you don't need to be an NFL analyst to see that. So I do hope I'm right. And this is somebody, maybe Vic Fangio, who's ever way of saying, hey, Tom McMahon, here's this guy. He's really good. He's coming out of San Francisco. If he cannot, if you cannot find a way to make this special teams better by like, I don't know, midseason, then, hey, you're gone. And or he might not even make it uh, to, or maybe they might keep him the whole season and then let him go after the season's over, depending on where Denver falls. I, I don't, I don't think you can afford that. I think if you believe that the issue is, I think if you believe that the issue is special teams, then you put the, the onus square on Tom McMahon. You might give him two or three games, but at the end of that, as a GM with George Payton, um, you got to basically kick him to the curb and get someone else in. So at this stage of the game, 
uh, as the, uh, as Broncos country, we should be hoping and praying, if you will, to the football gods that uh, George Payton is currently putting up feelers to uh, alternative special teams coaches uh, in the uh, off chance or hopefully likely chance, if you're uh, a Broncos fan that's uh, fed up with our special teams play, that George Payton is looking to move on from Tom McMahon uh, and basically pushing Vic Fangio to make that decision. And if Fangio's presser in the last couple of days was any indicator, I'm pretty sure uh, Peyton has made it very clear uh, to Vic Fangio that that special teams play that we saw at the end of the Seattle game uh, was nothing shy of unacceptable. No, I, I totally agree. So this, I would like to say, go on record before the official start of the season that this is Tom McMahon's last season as, as a Broncos coordinator because we all... We were all calling for his tenure at the end of last season. We thought it was going to happen. And then as we went along, it was like, nope, he's going to get one more year. And nobody freaking knows why. (laughs) Right. Um, So uh, now we were talking about uh, the end of uh, Broncos talk uh, last week about the outside linebacker position. And uh, again, uh, Glenn Hauser uh, and I were in lockstep on this exact same issue as well. Um, the outside linebacker position has two players um, who are in contract years. Mm-hmm. And we have a potential need and or want to ensure we get depth on this team. And one of those players that uh, Mr. Hauser and I were uh, in lockstep about saying, we need to keep this guy. He has shown real flashes in preseason, maybe not at Jonathan Cooper's level, but certainly at what we saw from a uh, even a lesser than version of Malik Reed in his first preseason with uh, the Denver Broncos. Because I think Andre Mintz, who's the gentleman I'm speaking of, has shown us legit flashes this, uh, this preseason and is certainly a guy that I am pleased that we kept because we need that depth on this roster and good teams develop players like Andre Mintz within that's what they do and that's why they're successful so we ended up with Von Miller Bradley Chubb Malik Reed Jonathan Cooper and Andre Mintz we need that depth at the outside linebacker position so that we can continue to develop that talent and have players like both Bradley Chubb and Von Miller coach and teach those guys off the field showing that they're putting in the work because you never know, at least one of those guys might be gone next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you could highlight that question from Jason O'Neill for me, uh, where he asked about, uh, there was a poll that wanted grades on preseason play for the Broncos, and 57 fans voted A, but I voted B because of the special teams play. Am I wrong? Jason, no. you are totally not wrong, dude. I would have picked excuse me, the same thing. Because everybody needs to realize... The defense starts where special teams stop. So if special teams cannot put the defense in a very good position where they can, you know, force a turnover or if you can pin them just back long enough, you know, a safety, then the defense, you put more work on them, you know. So if the the opposing team is getting the ball and they're able to run it back 10, 20 yards close to midfield, that's more work that the defense has to get, has to do. Aside from that, the offense needs their breather if they've been out, especially if they've been out on the field for a long drive, you know? So 
everything all three of those work in tangent kind of like a car engine so they all have to be on the same page offense with defense defense with special teams special teams with, you know it goes back and forth so if one out of those three is not working properly it puts more strain on the other you know what I'm saying if offense turns the ball over a lot the defense gets strained if special teams gives up a lot of yardage the defense gets strained if the defense can't stop them from scoring a points or hold them to a field goal then that's more strain on the offense if they have to catch up or you know keep a lead or what have you so we have to keep in mind that whatever the coaching staff is trying at least I would like to think so that what the coaching staff is trying to do to help Tom McMahon pans out because as much as we don't want Tom McMahon in Denver anymore. If he gets fired midseason, there's going to be somebody that's going to be an interim, per se. Right. And it could be a lot worse than what we're seeing with McMahon. So so just, just to make sure we uh, kind of fit this in, um, I, I rated us actually a C in the preseason. I realized we won uh, all of our games. Uh, however, um, special teams was a major concern for me. Uh, I also felt that we did not establish an offensive identity. Uh, to me, I think that's extremely important. I think as a team, you need to uh, assert a specific ad- offensive identity so that you can gel uh, both your offensive line to kind of work in lockstep and move in that uh, same direction. Uh, and I think that the good teams or best teams, if you want to go that far in the NFL, uh, move in that direction. And uh, to me, that was uh, an issue that we had in this preseason. We saw two tight end sets. Uh, which really uh, sparked our offense. And we saw a lot of uh, amazing runs actually out of those two tight end sets. Um, And then we saw uh, Pat Shermer uh, basically being Pat Shermer and uh, thinking that it's the 90s again and moving only in three wideout sets. And we started to stall actually in those three wideout sets as an offense. And it actually took Pat Shermer to then readapt and move to the two tight end sets in the Seattle game, uh, you can go back and look at the uh, at the game there. He then moved back to the uh, two tight end sets to then re almost reinvigorate the offense to kind of get the ball moving down the field again, and then kind of disorientate the Seattle uh, defense a little bit. And it was then and only then where we then started to get uh, moving down the field, and then we then reverted back to the three wideout sets in the red zone to score that touchdown. Uh, I believe. Was it Trinity Benson? I, I can't remember who the the white. I think it might have been Trinity Benson in the in the end zone there. But mm-hmm. I rated it the C uh, for for kind of those uh, those reasons. I had a few others as well. But team, you need to establish solid special teams play. You also need to assert yourself with an offensive identity. And if you're gonna do well, and I mean truly do well, uh, you need to start getting pressure up the middle of the defensive line. And I felt that in preseason, we did not do that very well. Um, Wanting to get in a few other things. We're getting really tight on time, guys, is Mm -hmm. our cornerback position. We ended up landing with uh, Ronald Darby, uh, Kyle Fuller, Bryce Callahan, Pat Sertain, Michael Ojemudia, and Kerry Vincent Vincent Jr. Uh, I don't know anyone else. None of those guys are, are surprised to me. I always felt that we were keeping uh, basically that group of people. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, guys, uh, Michael Ojemudia, per our coaching staff and those within Dove Valley, has already been uh, announced, if you will, as being uh, going to be placed on short-term IR. So it will be interesting to see who else we bring into the roster to kind of fill that spot until we uh, opt to bring him back. Um, I want to move quickly on to the uh, safety position. 
which is uh, no surprise, Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, Caden Stearns, who, wow, did he ever play well in this preseason. PJ Locke, who again had splash plays, who I was extremely impressed with uh, in, in moments, and then head-scratching in others. And then we had Jamar Johnson, who really and truly, um, while he never made it out of that third, kind of that third group, uh, was a, an absolute standout from that group when you saw him on the field. And mm-hmm. I think if we had a, a fourth preseason game and more to kind of move guys around, we probably would have seen him move up with the twos uh, to kind of see what he can do because I think he was that good. Yeah, Jamar Johnson, correct me if I'm wrong, was the one that had the last the bat down on that last play against the Rams, correct? Correct. Okay. Uh, he had, uh, sure the, right he had the, uh, the, the, the tight kind of uh, uh, blonde dreads uh, that mm-hmm. was kind of like uh, kind of bottom of the neck there. Uh, in terms of uh, hair, you could you could kind of see it outside the helmet. Um, mm-hmm. He he had made multiple plays uh, this preseason that really, uh, you know, he kind of jumped out. Like you want to see guys jump out, and he he really did jump out, and he deserved a spot. So I'm glad we didn't cut him. Again, same reason um, as I mentioned with the outside linebacker position. Cream Jackson's on a, a one year deal, right? Mm-hmm. And so you want depth at that position. And also safeties are really good special teams guys because they tackle well and they, uh, and they are relatively quick. So uh, having that depth uh, at the safety position really does help out or should, in theory, help out on special teams as well. No, I totally agree with you. And if I was Kareem Jackson, I'd be really nervous because those guys had a really good preseason. And under Vic Fangio, they can have a really good really good season and they could probably make a run for Kareem Jackson's job at the end of the, the season. Now, Kareem Jackson, he's, his contract was not expensive per se, but he is getting up there in age. And for in any way, usually in the NFL, the higher you will go up in age, especially for cornerbacks or safeties, that does become a bit of a concern because that's when most players start to go downhill in terms, not so much strength, but speed, you know? So it could be George Payton more than I feel Payton's probably going to move on from Kareem Jackson, uh, regardless of where the Broncos end up in terms of, you know, if they went on to win a Super Bowl, you know, of course, I'd love to see that. But I just feel that Kareem Jackson is probably going to play his last game as a Denver Bronco, regardless of what the outcome is in terms. I agree. I agree. And I uh, just wanted to bring up uh, Dave Glassman's comment here. Um, uh, Perkins uh, was an interesting quarterback. I, I, I did uh, like him in that L- L.A. game. And, I, I mean, I have made no secret in our group chats, 6'10". Uh, um, I wanted us to aggressively go after that punter uh, from L.A. Uh, I don't really care how good everyone thinks Sam Martin is. Uh, that punter for LA was ridiculous. He was silly. It was it was one of those things where you just looked at what he did and said he was putting on a clinic as far as I was concerned in terms of what you're supposed to do as a punter. Um, sorry, yeah, as, as a punter. So um, unfortunately, uh, Dave, uh, I received it on good authority that uh, Green Bay uh, acquired him. Now, I have to dig in myself. I do not know if they traded for him or if they ended up picking up on waivers. Now, if they picked him up on waivers, I'm going to be livid. Because, <laughs> because that means that we passed on him. And um, to me, uh, that is a fireable offense. 
You literally just played against a guy who made you look silly, literally look silly on special teams, and you didn't pick him up. I, I mean, he put on a clinic. He dropped the ball uh, on the sideline just in bounds at the one-yard line. It almost seemed like for fun. <laughs> um, just to prove a point to say I am that good, guys, come and get me. And we and and if we did not, if it was not a trade by Green Bay, then that is uh, that is darn near criminal as far as I'm concerned. I'm gonna have to go and rewatch that because I don't think I saw that highlight, Rich. <laughs> but uh, guys, uh, we're getting close to the end of uh, the end of the the show. Uh, just wanted to thank you guys so much for tuning in and watching. We do hope you guys love the new intro. It was awesome. If you missed it, make sure you rewatch it later on after the end of this podcast. Uh, if you're listening to us on audio, hey, come in and watch us on YouTube or Facebook. Log on so you can see it for yourself because hearing it just uh, doesn't do it any justice. <laughs> I agree. Uh, guys, I'd like to thank all of you uh, for joining us today. Uh, it, it really is a pleasure uh, doing this show and having you all uh, come in. We want to thank every single person, both live and who catches us after the fact. We all know that sometimes schedules don't line up, and that is perfectly okay. For those of you who do join us after the fact, and you, if you do have questions because you weren't able to join us, please feel free to leave comments in our videos. We are happy to respond to those after the fact. If you can go ahead and click those thumbs up, subscribe, and like, it really does help us. It allows us reach to reach more in Broncos country. And the more eyes we get in front, the more activity we get. And it just becomes a far more interesting show having as much interaction as possible. And guys, as we all know, we are entering in to season two. Dos. De. I'm French. What can I say? I live in Canada. It's the second language here. Season deux. Season deux. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, as you saw from our intro, we have really put a ton of effort into season two. We want to bring the best possible show we can for you guys. We have all of our shows going on a revamped and new look, starting with our flagship podcast, the MHRT podcast with Mundungus Creevy, Glenn Hauser, Mr. Boggins, and Broncos Talk very own, a six foot 10 Mexican. That is Thursdays at 7654. You can figure out those time zones. I am not going to do it for you. And then on Fridays or Sundays, depending on where we're at now, it is going to be the Nothing Rhymes with Orange and Blue podcast with Johnny Baki and special guest. I did want to quickly speak to that uh, in this outro. Um, our very own uh, Pookie Knight. Uh, he has a real name, but that doesn't matter. Um, his real name is, uh, as far as we know him, is Pookie Knight. Uh, he is uh, one of America's finest, and he has been deployed to help those in need uh, in Louisiana. Uh, if we can all just have a moment, and uh, if you have him in your Twitter, or if you can uh, leave a comment here in this video, uh, we'd like to give him a, a big round of applause and a thank you uh, for his work and his service uh, to uh, the U.S. of A. Uh, he is helping out those in Louisiana who need the help the most after the hurricane hit there, and it has caused tremendous damage. Uh, hearts go out to all those people that lost their homes and have had damage, 
And uh, to Pookie, thank you for all you do to help out uh, those that are in need, especially with uh, being deployed there to help out. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Mile High, or uh, the uh, or- Nothing Rhymes with Orange or Blue podcast is at 6543. Again, time zones, you can figure those out on your own. We love you all very much out there in Broncos country, and we thank you very much for tuning in. We will see you all on Thursday. And before we go ahead and close this out, ladies and gentlemen, we need to do a quick mile high five. If you can all get yourself prepped and prepared, let's do those stretches. And in five, four, three, two, one, mile Mile high five. five. Woo! Boom! Thank you very much. Guys, you all have yourselves a great evening. Thank you very much. And we will see you on Broncos Talk next Tuesday.